Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Here you go. Here you go. Business. Can you imagine? I think this is it. Show 230. Episode 230, not counting the bonus episodes, not counting the... Samson sit-downs were episode 230 of Nothing Personal, and the word of the day is business. We end the show with that. I don't think we've ever started with it, but when this story broke yesterday, Coke and I decided this has to be the word of the day because the quote, the story, everything is perfect. We're talking about Bill O'Brien, the erstwhile head coach of the zero and for Houston Texans. That's the same team that has Deshaun Watson at quarterback, who just signed that huge extension. The same team which has the University of Wisconsin Badger, J.J. Watt, one of the highest paid defenders. Their payroll is the highest in the NFL. They have made the playoffs... Almost every year that Bill O'Brien was there, he was their head coach, seven years, four division titles. He went two and four in the playoffs. His title was coach. His title was GM, a newly given title to Bill O'Brien this past offseason, pre-COVID. And four weeks into his first season as GM, he got four weeks as GM. He was fired. This is the same coach and GM. We talked on Nothing Personal many, many episodes ago about a wide receiver named DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins was traded. And I said at the time, and I believe Coco, we were still in the studio at this time. That's how early this was in Nothing Personal. This was pre-COVID. We said, there's got to be a reason that Bill O'Brien made this deal and gave up all of the draft picks, they have no number one or number two pick in 2021. They're just, there was an issue there. And we said to ourselves, there has to be a reason. He's the GM. And it turns out that all of the talking heads were correct, right? If you think about it, because they crushed him. And as GM, I gave him the benefit of the doubt because I'm more of a front office guy. If, If you show me, two sets of scenarios and I have to give a benefit of a doubt. I'm going to lean toward a benefit of the doubt toward management. I admit that I have management bias. That's my background. Sometimes I overcompensate. I told you when I would 
run the Marlins and there were arguments between sales and marketing and baseball, I didn't want sales and marketing to think that I was always going to rule in favor of baseball. So I would purposefully rule against baseball certain times, certain issues, even though I thought that baseball may be right. Why would I ever make a decision that I didn't think was right? It's because it may not have been the right decision for that micro issue, but it was the right decision for the macro issue about running an entire club, which is what we did for all those years. When you're the GM of a football team, you have decisions that you make. You've got to separate yourself from the coach. It is very hard to be the coach and GM. I don't think anyone can do it. Now, there have been some people in in football who have been successful, who have control over player personnel, much more so than in Major League Baseball. There's no such thing in the National Basketball Association. There are involved coaches, but there's always GMs. But to give control of your roster to one person, whose name is not Bill Belichick, obviously, you would say, I'm doing this because as the owner of the McNair family of the Texans, we know you, you've been around for seven years, and we believe in you. You want to trade Hopkins? You're our GM. You want to get us a Super Bowl? You have to choose a coach. If you're choosing yourself, then get us to a Super Bowl. So what could have happened that the Texans decided to join the Rockets and the Astros in firing their coaches. Is it a Houston thing? Did McNair get jealous that the other teams in Houston had done it? What changed from this offseason to today? Is it a loss to the Chiefs? Coca told me they lost to the Steelers. This last week, they were a three and a half point favorite. They lost by eight to the Vikings. That's what it is. So they're 25% done with their season four to 16. Let's give the equivalent in baseball 25% done is the end of May. That's exactly the majority of the time when we fired our managers. At the end of May, when we felt as though the team was underperforming and we had given that coach that manager, enough runway that we wanted to change in order to salvage the season. We'd always say we want to salvage the season. One year it worked in 03, other years it didn't work as well. But that's always the theory for a mid-season firing. It's to salvage the season. So 0-4 in football is like 0-40 in baseball. Get it? 16 games, 162 games. So it's about 0-40. Hard to salvage an 0-40 season, I would say. Not impossible, just hard. So it says here in my brain that something else happened between Bill O'Brien and the McNair family. Some sort of pressure was put to bear on the McNair family. Some sort of public pressure somewhere. When Bill O'Brien got fired, his immediate quote was, don't forget what our word of the day, his immediate quote was, in the end, In this business, it's a bottom line business. That's awesome. He's totally right. It is a bottom line business. Now, bottom line means two things. Bottom line is financial and bottom line is wins and losses on the field. We weren't able to get it to where we needed to get it, he continued. 
I understand we fell short in terms of taking this team further in the playoffs, but I leave knowing that myself and this staff gave everything this organization deserved and more. Page three of the quote textbook. We worked very, very hard. Here's a little hint when you're doing uh, press releases, when you're doing statements, when you're giving interviews, don't repeat an adjective. This was a very, very difficult test. We work super, super hard to bring a winner to this community. We gave 110%. I don't know what that means. How do you give more than 100%? I've never learned that. Don't use two varies. Nugget if you're keeping track of the nuggets. We worked very, very hard to try to get this to a place where it could be a championship program. We just didn't get it done. It's hard to argue with Bill O'Brien. It's hard to argue with the McNair family, the owners. I would say that if you are an owner of a team that has won four division titles in seven years, that you are subject to the vagaries. Is that a word, Coca? V-A-G-A-R-I-E-S. I know it's a word, but am I using it correctly? The grammar police out there, get back to me. Come on, give it to me. Subject to the vagaries of a football season and then bring it down to a football game, bring it down to a football quarter, bring it down to a football possession, bring it down to a football play. When you're evaluating this coach and this GM, there's no way that McNair changed his mind about the Hopkins trade. There's no way that he changed his mind all of a sudden today. He knew that all his draft picks had been traded. He knew that he had the highest payroll. Do you think the GM sets the payroll? Do you think the GM agrees to the deal with Deshaun Watson or J.J. Watt? It's not the case. That is not Bill O'Brien. Now, the GM, they've traded away their Coca gave this to me pre-show. And I just want to say for football fans out there, you may think this is excessive. They gave away their first round pick and second round pick in 2020, their first round pick and second round pick in 2021, their third round and fourth round pick in 2020. They also traded away two first rounders in Hopkins and Clowney. And by the way, they got back no first rounders. As a football team, much like a baseball team and even a basketball team, but I think more so in football and baseball, first round picks are the currency. It's gold. It's bouillon. It's, it's what you need. And when you trade it, you had better perform. But did the 0-4 start cause this firing? Did the business of the Texans get negatively impacted by the 0-4 start? Is the national TV TV money down? No. Are they having fewer fans in the seats? Yeah, but it's not because of 0-4. It's because of COVID. Are they going to miss out on playoff revenue? No, because there's no fans for playoffs and all the local and all the national broadcast revenue gets split, even the playoff money. So the bottom line must not have been money. Because if the owner's losing that amount of money with the highest payroll without having the revenue he thought, then you address that by trading away players, not double paying a coach and GM on the assumption that Bill O'Brien has money left and that he wasn't fired for cause, which there's no indication that he was. So if the bottom line of business was not the reason, I guess it was the bottom line of the wins and losses. So then we have to look at how you weigh a current 0-4 versus a past playoff appearance and a string of division titles. That's the toughest thing as an owner because there's such a recency bias 
that when you lose a game, there's this emotion. And they fired him on a, I don't, what is today, Coca? Thursday? So they fired him last night. They fired him on Wednesday, which does not give a lot. Of, today is what day, Coca? Tuesday. Does not feel like a Tuesday to me, Coca. Okay. So they fired him on a Monday. The game was on a Sunday. And they play again next week. So the new coach is this this guy. I forgot his name, but he's 73 years old. He's a former head coach. His name is Romeo Cronell. Thank you, Matt. And he is going to take over. He apparently knows the system, knows the playbook. It's not going to be a big change for the players. Notably, there have not been any players who have defended Bill O'Brien or said, oh, sorry, they are that he got fired. Sometimes when coaches get fired, you see players tweet, hey, that's on us. We got to play better. Or they'll tweet the opposite. Hey, you know, we just weren't able to give everything we could. Hey, the playbook was confusing. Hey, we didn't have the right personnel. There's a sell job that goes on throwing people under the bus. I may call that a Middleton from now on the way he did it to Clintech. If you don't listen to yesterday's show yet on nothing personal, should we call it that Coca? Should we name that when you throw someone under the bus, just call it a Middleton. That'd be sort of funny, but just in case, Oh, no players are throwing O'Brien under the bus. McNair's not throwing him under the bus. You know, they have an interim coach who's my get. He's like 28 and 55. I don't guess Coca told me that as a head coach. So he's got some experience. I just wonder what McNair does now. So I'm going to tell you what McNair needs to do now. And we're talking about the the owner of the Houston Texans here, following Bill O'Brien getting fired as coach and GM, following the fact that our word of the day is business. I want the McNair family to stand up and say the following. Every decision that Bill O'Brien made as GM was approved by me. No extension to Deshaun Watson, no contract to J.J. Watt, no amount of payroll was ever taken on without my prior approval. It's my job to put the people in place to do the best job they can with the parameters that I give them. I feel as though the parameters that I gave to Bill O'Brien, the freedom that I gave to him were enough that he should have been able to start better than 0-4. It is very strange to fire a GM after four games. I understand that. But I couldn't ask the GM to fire himself. Could I? Side note, nothing personal. Yes, you could have, Cam. You could have sat him down and said, hey, I'm not happy that you have both. Choose one. Okay, back to the press conference with Ken McNair. Therefore, I felt that four games, in fact, was enough because I had seen what was coming. And I finally understood that the approvals I had given were wrong. I take responsibility. I'm going to bring in somebody who will teach me to do better, who will teach me the importance of draft picks, who will teach me the importance of payroll management, who will help me understand how to allocate resources better because I want a Super Bowl for the fans of Houston because you deserve it. Side note from nothing personal. We want to give Houston a championship so people can stop talking about the Astros and the trash cans. We're in a perfect position because the Rockets with Harden stink. They're never going to win it. They're looking for a new coach. We had a moment to take over Houston and we blew it. All right, we're back. In conclusion, I want to thank Bill O'Brien. And I appreciate all he did to make the Texans the most professional franchise in the National Football League. That's it. That's all he had to do. But owners have a funny way of 
dealing with this when it comes to trading out coaches and GMs. Some owners are involved when things are good. Some owners are involved when things are bad. Some owners are involved both. Some owners are not involved. Some owners take credit for things they didn't do. Some owners don't take credit for things they did do. We had an owner in Miami, did not take all the credit he could have for things he did. I don't know why that is, but that's what good bosses do. They leave it to other people. I took a lot of heat for things I didn't do. I took a lot of heat for things I did. Tried to save heat from the owner. Tried to save heat from the GM, from the coach. Tried to save people from themselves in sales, finance, marketing, and baseball operations. But owners choose different ways of operating. Steve Ross is the owner of the Dolphins, and he's been the owner. He bought the team from Wayne Huizenga, God Coca. I bet you he's owned the team for over 10 years already. He must have owned him before 2010 because when we were getting Marlins Park done, we had to get out of there because he was kicking us out before 2009. My guess is Steve Ross may have bought the team as early as 06 or 07. Uh, I know Huizenga <coughs> owned it in 03, but I'm going to guess it's between 04 and 07 is when Steve Ross took over. He's the real estate developer with a company called The Related Group. If you're in New York, he developed Hudson Yards. If you're in Florida, he has a bunch of complexes. In 2008, he made a decision to buy the Dolphins. I was happy when Heisinger was selling the Dolphins because he was such a pain in the neck, rest in peace, to deal with. He was the landlord at Pro Player Stadium where the Marlins played. We won a championship with him as the landlord, and it was a nightmare fight dealing with him during the postseason. Not, not him at that point, but his people. They always had this sense of superiority. They were the Dolphins. They were the landlord. It was always Dolphins, 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 Dolphins. I'm having a Brady moment. I'm thinking back to fighting with that front office all the time. Anything the Dolphins wanted. Pro player. I'm going off subject, Coca. Pro player was a stadium privately built by Joe Robbie. It was originally called Joe Robbie Stadium. So people in Miami thought that that would be normal, that owners would build stadiums for themselves. Not normal. Wayne Huizenga wasn't going to build this another baseball stadium at all. He wasn't going to build a hockey stadium for his Panthers, got public financing in Broward, where the Panthers currently play. I've told you all that the Florida Panthers play in a stadium separate from the Miami Heat because they couldn't agree where to put the stadium, the owner of the Heat and the owner of the Panthers. So they built two of them like a bunch of megalomaniacs. They built two stadiums in two different communities, one in Broward, one in Miami-Dade, both both publicly financed, might I add. So when Huizenga could not get the money to do a baseball stadium, so the Marlins had to play at Pro Player with the Dolphins. So Pro Player was owned by Wayne Huizenga when he bought the team from Joe Robbie, who owned Pro Joe Robbie Stadium and the Dolphins. Joe Robbie owning and that stadium and building it privately actually almost caused his caused his estate to go bankrupt. And that's the truth. So Heisinga had people who ran pro player and he had obviously people who ran the Dolphins and the people who ran pro player, their entire raison d'etre, their entire reason to exist was to do whatever the Dolphins wanted and to screw the Marlins harder than you could possibly screw someone in life or in business. Everything 
was a fight. Everything. So when Steve Ross bought the team from Heisinga, I thought, hey, maybe it'll be better to work with him. So working with Steve Ross was no picnic. Tried to buy the Marlins, actually, but the price was too high. Good one, Steve. You got that one right. Came in trying to learn how to be an NFL owner. The Dolphins have been horrible. I moved to Florida in 2002. I've seen zero playoff wins. Zero in 18 years, yet they continue to get the benefit of the doubt. Am I bitter a little bit? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. The Marlins didn't get a benefit of a doubt, and the Marlins had a world championship in 03. They're back in the playoffs in 20. Yeah, it's been 17 years. How have the Dolphins done? So in any case, Steve Ross takes over, and he becomes a very involved owner. He tries to build up the team, tries to win, signs all these free agents, signs all these celebrities to be co-owners like Serena and Venus Williams and Gloria Stefan and Yada, yada, Mark Anthony, yada, yada, yada. Turns out people don't give a crap about that. They want to see winning football. So then Steve Ross said, you know what? I'm handing over the reins. He didn't really hand over the reins to Chris Greer, the GM. Went through coaches. Do you remember when, uh, oh God, what was the coach uh, before Flores was Gase? Before Gase was a guy named, was it Joe Philbin? I may have that name wrong. I'm thinking about Regis Philbin, but I think it could be Joe Philbin. And no one could win with the Dolphins. We know for a fact that Steve Ross was very involved. So what do you think's going on in Miami right now? Well, head coach Brian Flores said the following today. This is today or yesterday. Does it matter? Ready? When asked about starting Tua Tagovailoa, he responded, he's checked all the boxes from a medical standpoint. He has. Look, the honest thing for me is if it was my kid and he had a serious injury like that, talking about his hip injury, I wouldn't want his coach to throw him in there because of media pressure or anything like that. That's kind of how I approach this situation and really all situations. Flores continued. The players, essentially, they are my kids. So no one is going to pressure me into doing anything. Mm, Really? When we feel like he's ready to go, we'll put him in. Hmm. Do you think Brian Flores, the head coach, is responsible for when Ryan Fitzpatrick gets benched and Tua becomes the starter in Miami? Do you think that Steve Ross has nothing to do with that decision? Do you think that Chris Greer has nothing to do with that decision? Do you think Flores walks in and says, you know what? We're, we're one and three. We need Tua in the game. We got to win right now. There's always an argument between a coach and a GM because coaches are paid to win now. GMs are paid to win now and to win later. When GMs get long-term deals, and I'm very much in favor of GMs having long-term deals because it helps them avoid short-term mistakes. When you have a GM who you hire year to year, or you're an owner who has a tendency to fire GMs very often. Notice how many managers we fired in our tenure in Miami? A plethora. Notice how many GMs got let go? One plus Dan Jennings, but I don't count that because that was really the manager when he became managers when he got fired. One. Larry Beinfest in 2000 and something. I can't remember what year. I want to say it was 2013 after he'd been with us for 
11 years and had been the assistant GM with us in Montreal. Managers know. GMs have to believe they've got job security or they're not going to watch ownership money. They're not going to care. They're going to have a win now attitude the way every manager does in baseball, the way every coach does in basketball and in football. Brian Flores is giving this comment on how he takes care of his kids. He feels like they're the kids. Tua with his hip. I want to relax. I want to hold him. Horse hockey. Brian Flores needs to win football games. He knows it. You don't think he knows what Steve Ross has done with coaches? It's a coaching graveyard in Miami Gardens. You don't think that he thinks if Tua gives him a better chance to win than Fitzpatrick, that he wants Tua in there right now? But Steve Ross is trying something different. He's trying to show patience. He tried it the old-fashioned way by buying wins. Didn't work. Remember all those free agents? That guy with the last name S-U-H with that long first name, that tremendous defensive line player, had all these free agents. They signed. They spent a bunch of money this year on their defense. How's that working out? Crappy. The team stinks. But they do have two of the Texans draft picks, actually, so that's a positive. Brian Flores, I appreciate that you're trying to do the right thing by Tua, and you're trying to do the right thing by protecting Steve and by protecting your GM, Chris. But when asked, I would just say it. Just say it. I'll let you know when Tua plays because I'm going to be told. I'd love Tua to be in there because he gives us a better chance to win, but don't sleep on Ryan Fitzpatrick. But for us to be better, we need our defense to play better. It's okay to say it. We're all seen it. We'll say it but it would feel so good if you would just be honest and say it yourself. The Dolphins have a lot of work to do, folks. Yes, they do. All right, there's been a lot of banter back and forth today, and we have to get to all of it. And we're going to do it all because someone was willing to ask a question, Coca. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. How great is that clip? I don't get tired of it. Do you get tired of that, Coke? I really don't. So you want to talk to Samson's a segment we do here on Nothing Personal. It's from a movie called Half-Baked. I'll say the line over and over because it's still funny. Half-Baked is better when you're three-quarter baked. In it, characters want to talk to Samson, and they say... I want to talk to Samson. Get in my Instagram at David P. Samson, and I'll check it. Get in Twitter at David P. Samson. I'll check it. There's something called DMs, which is a direct message, I guess. Thank you, Matt. And what you do is you ask a question, and if it's interesting or pertinent to today's show or tomorrow's show, I'm going to try to answer it on a show. If you have a question that is more general, like a story you want to hear or a situation you want me to deal with. That's for an end of month mailbag episode. You listen to it at the end of September, at the end of every month. We'll do it again at the end of October. Get into Apple, please rate and review where you listen to your podcasts. If you don't listen on Apple, still try to get on Apple, rate and review and ask a question in the review and I'll try to answer that as well. Five stars, tell your friends about nothing personal and thank you. So the question today Why do you think NBA Finals, tonight is Tuesday, game number four of the NBA Finals with the Lakers up two to one. 
That wasn't part of the question. I'm giving you background. That's background info, folks. Why do you think the NBA Finals ratings are down 68%? So that question was answered in a tweet by someone named Clay Travis. Clay Travis is a very conservative talk show host, gambling host, content provider, podcaster. He said the following. On Friday night, that's last Friday, the NBA had four and a half million viewers for the finals, the least viewed NBA finals game in 40 years, down nearly 70% from game two last year. It was down 68%, which is nearly 70. Unless 70 is used to pass when you get your exams and you get a 68, then that's not anywhere near 70 because that's an F. The only pro sport event the NBA was competing against was the Cardinals-Padres game. It's 100% the politics. Get woke, go broke. All right. We have a situation that needs to be addressed here. What Clay Travis is saying is that people are not watching basketball because of basketball embracing Black Lives Matter, because of mixing politics and sports. Shut up and dribble. Players are not shutting up, and they are not just dribbling. The expression we've used on nothing personal about waking up, being woke. I've used it, being woke to me may mean something than what Travis referred to it as. Being woke to me is being self-aware, self-actualized, understanding the significance of the moment in history where we are, understanding your path in life, understanding what makes you happy. If you've been unhappy and you do something to get happy, does that make you woke? To me, it does. If you continue to do things in your life that make you unhappy, you're not woke. You may not be broke either, but you're still unhappy. If you're not trying to make the world a better place and leave a legacy for yourself, whether that legacy is through your children, whether that legacy is through your business, whether that legacy is through your alma mater, wherever your legacy is, you're trying to leave a legacy. Why? Because you want to be remembered as making a difference, as caring about something, caring about someone. For Travis to say that if you get woke, you go broke is ignoring both what woke is and ignoring the facts. The NBA is so far from broke that I'm trying to explain to Clay in easy financial terms that a sports talk show host and gambler would understand. Because my guess is Clay Travis has never run a team. My guess is he has no idea about the financials of a team. And if he does, come on, nothing personal, and let's talk about it. Let's talk about central revenue at the National Basketball Association. Let's talk about the impact. Let's talk about the impact that Daryl Morey's tweet on China had. Does that mean Daryl Morey was woke and he should have been woke because that means he's now broke? Okay, interesting. Defending people impacted the NBA and its relationship with China. Okay, decisions need to be made by businesses. Are you going to take money from people whose beliefs you do not share in any way? I never ask people their political leanings when I'm trying to get them to buy tickets, when I'm trying to get them to be fans of the team, don't care. 
Make sure your money's green. But here's what I won't do to you. I won't criticize you if you're red. I won't criticize you if you're blue. And I'm certainly not going to accuse you of ever going broke just because you decide that you're going to be woke. And to ignore the reality of the ratings decline in every other sport is disingenuous at best. And the problem with our political atmosphere currently as it exists. No one's listening to the other side. If you're red, you're red. If you're blue, you're blue. And you do not change. You don't need to watch a damn debate. Who are these undecideds? I can't find any of them. There are people who say, oh, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. Really? Really? But if you're trying to get undecideds to vote red, or are you just preaching to the choir, Clay? Because if you're trying to get undecideds to vote red, then you better explain why you think that if you're woke, you go broke. And explain to me why horse racing down, NHL crushed, NHL crushed NFL ratings in the toity. MLB, some of their regional ratings were up. Some of them. MLB is pretty woke, by the way, for an industry like MLB, which spends a lot of time sleeping. You need to give your fan base, unless you don't want to, right? Do you know what confirmation bias is, Clay? Confirmation bias is when you see a tree fall down and you say, you know, that's an area where I think a tree could fall down. Yeah. You're right, because a tree already fell down. When you're talking to people who already believe what you're saying and already know what you're saying is true in their minds, then what are you doing? That's the expression preaching to the choir. Preachers never preach to the choir. If you're in the choir, by definition, you're in the chapel. You're already there. You're preaching to the audience so they can preach to the people who wouldn't come into the audience and into the congregation. So I knew this would get a lot of attention. Your question specifically was about the NBA finals and why the ratings are down 68%. The reason is we have changed during the time of COVID. All ratings are down everywhere. It's different how it's measured, but it's different our viewing habits. We got to live without sports for a period of six months. And when it came back, it came back so much at once. This is the equivalent. For those of you who fast on Yom Kippur, for those of you who go on interim fasts, Interim fasts, not for religious reasons, just because you're trying to lose weight. What's the reason why people who fast don't lose weight? It's that when it comes time to eat, they gorge themselves, they get a stomach ache. You know what they don't show you on Survivor, by the way, Coca? When you get a reward challenge and you get all that food and you haven't been eating any food. Of course, I wasn't on the island long enough to get any food at all. I didn't eat for three days and lost eight pounds, seven, eight or nine pounds. But when you don't eat for 10 days, 12 days, except rice and coconut, And then all of a sudden you get a reward challenge of pizza or other such food. You eat it so quickly and so much of it that you then vomit and you get the crappus. You have to do the aqua dumps on Survivor immediately. I've spoken to so many players who were okay not winning the reward challenges because you can't stop eating. You're so hungry. That's what happens after Yom Kippur. That's why you're supposed to eat bagels and something light like a little tuna, a little schmear. But instead, I go for the roast beef sandwich times two, plus a bagel, cream cheese, and Nova. And all of a sudden, I have a distended stomach, my stomach hurts, and I'm crushed. That's what happened with sports. When everything came back, it was so much. Our our brains couldn't handle it. I'm telling you, today we've got four playoff games in, in Major League Baseball. I don't know how to handle it. It's too much. That's why ratings are down. But 
Clay Travis would have you think it's because the National Basketball Association is trying to be socially conscious. So on Twitter, there is a bunch of arguing. I don't understand, Coco, what Twitter arguing is. If I have a problem with a writer of an article, let's say, the majority of time I'm going to try to reach out to the author directly. Much like if I have a problem with, I guess, anybody. You try to reach them directly. Why would you call anyone out publicly? But that's all Twitter is. So Mark Cuban is going back and forth with Ted Cruz. So Cruz sent out a tweet. And you know that you know that he wanted to be Supreme Court Justice Ted Cruz. He had a failed presidential bid. He was very anti-Trump during the primaries. And then all of a sudden is very pro-Trump. He's Republican. He's actually in his state, there are three NBA teams, which is ironic. And he's got, in theory, when you're a senator, obviously you're always going for re-election, you're always going to raise money. But in theory, what you're doing as senator is you are representing the people of your state. No matter what side of the aisle you're on, you're supposed to represent everybody. When you're running, obviously you run as a Republican or Democrat. But once you're in office, and this is my dream, once you're in office, you represent everyone. So Mark Cuban is talking about what the NBA is doing. And he said the following to Ted Cruz. You are so full of shit. You haven't watched a game of the finals. How would you know what is being said or done? Since when is a desire to end racism an insult to anyone or political? And you don't think Using get woke, go broke is a problem. Is that the quote, Coca, is a problem? I see on the document put is a P. So get woke, go broke comes from Travis. And what Mark Cuban is trying to say is, listen, this is not at all what we are doing here. It's if you it's the exact quote was and you don't think using get woke, go broke is a partisan insult. Again, this is who you are. Get woke, go broke. To me, I did not view as a partisan insult. So I disagree with Mark Cuban. I viewed it as an ignorance insult, as an insult to intelligence, as a statement by someone who doesn't have facts. I'd like to believe that if Clay Travis were told and were made to understand I just got an alert that is going to blow your mind, Coca. This is a live show. We do this show. I did you just get that alert? I just got an alert that prosecutors in France are opening an investigation into match fixing at this year's tennis French Open. That's going on right now in a woman women's doubles match. Right now. That's unbelievable to me. Tennis has some issues. Did you know the French Open was going on right now? The big tournament in Roland Garros? Clay, did you know that was going on? Are you watching any of that? I bet their ratings may be down. What about the U.S. Open? Did you watch that finals? No. I'm worked up, Cuban. I called you Cuban. I'm worked up, Coca. I'm worked up because people are going to use this now get woke, go broke as some sort of call to action. 
And they're trying to get businesses to be afraid to get to go to get woke, whatever that means. And that's not the case. You don't need to be afraid of it. This is about a way of being a way of being human. All right. I got to take a break right now. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to do a quick review of something that I've been dying to talk about. But I just got so worked up here, Coca. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about. uh, (laughs) I'm doing it, Coca. We're doing it. When we come back on Nothing Personal, we're going to talk about pussy. Galore. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to Ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. I promised it. I'm going to get to a Coca. You knew I would. Yesterday was Global James Bond Day. I'm giving you my top five James Bond movies with the Bond girls. If you've never seen a James Bond movie, you got to do it. The number one James Bond girl, of course, is Pussy Galore. Coca in the pre-show meeting had never heard of Pussy Galore. I don't even know whether he's heard of Goldfinger. He thinks he's maybe seen Casino Royale. Casino Royale is the number one ranked Bond movie to me. Daniel Craig, the Bond girl was Eva Green, the bleeding eye. Number two, the spy who loved me. That's a Roger Moore. The Bond girl in that was Barbara Bach. Barbara Bach is a Bond girl. Guess who she's married to, Coca? Not bad. Ringo Starr. Number three is Skyfall, again with Daniel Craig. Number four is Goldeneye with Timothy Brosnan. That's not his name. I'm completely forgetting it. Pierce Brosnan. Timothy Brosnan used to work in Major League Baseball and ran for commissioner. Pierce Brosnan, Goldeneye. And my number five all-time James Bond movie, I know, it is. Octopussy with Maude Adams and Roger Moore. It's a great movie back in the early 80s or late 70s. James Bond, it's maybe the fifth or sixth highest grossing franchise. Phenomenal movies, great action movies. The movie Goldeneye, I ranked it four, but man, that was so good. But I had had to put Casino Royale first because I'm a big Eva Green fan. I'm a big Daniel Craig fan. He's actually my favorite Bond. And there's a new Bond movie that was supposed to come out this year, and it's being delayed to 2021 because of COVID. And my honorable mention for all time, Bond Girls, is what I told you. One more time, Coca. Edit it out if you want. It's a character in a movie. Pussy galore. Okay. 
that's my review. Go see Casino Royale Coke if you haven't. And then if you're going to choose a second movie, watch Goldeneye. You don't need to watch any Sean Connery movies. Can we talk about this after the show? We can do Sean Connery movies after. He did some Never Say Never Again I liked. He had a bunch of early ones too, but we'll talk about it after, okay? We got to go pick of the day. I didn't get to pick of the day yesterday, and because of that, I lost. Do you know what my pick of the day was yesterday, Coca? And you do not lie to our listeners. What was it? What was it? Yes, it was the Astros over the A's, and the Astros were the underdog getting 129. I'm 23 and 17. I should be 24 and 17. I should be back up a touchdown. Are you giving it to me, Coca? Yes or no? Yes or no? You saw it on the document before the game got played, and you're saying no. That's it, Coca. We're done. We're done. I understand Paige didn't get to bet it, but you could have told him to bet it. Paige is one of Coca's guys who bets completely legally. You could have told him that you saw it in the document, but Samson didn't get to it on the show. I'm taking the credit. 24 and 17. Okay. Why am I even 23 and 17? Remember the Marlins beat you, Darvish? That was a while ago. Lakers won game two by 10. That was a while ago. The Lakers were giving nine and a half. Remember, that was a good win. That must have been game two. It's been a while since we did pick of the day. So we got two National League series starting today. Marlins Braves. You know, we predicted the Braves in four, even though the Marlins have better pitching, but the Braves have hitting a better bullpen. We predicted the Dodgers in four because it's like the Bulls and the Pistons. The Pistons held down the Bulls in Jordan until finally they rose up and were able to beat the Pistons. In this analogy, the Bulls are the Padres. The Pistons are the Dodgers. The Bulls aren't ready to beat the Pistons yet. The Padres aren't ready to beat the Dodgers yet. This is a statement game for the Dodgers to make sure that the Padres are very clear. We love you, Tatis. We do. But let's be very clear that we are still in charge. The Dodgers will win game one today. I guarantee you that over the Padres. Okay, when we do wait to seize, we talk about things that we think are going to happen, Just and then we tell you when they did. So, for example, we had a two wait to see that he wouldn't start until at least week five. That was from September 15th. That's a yes. The wait to see today is slightly different. We're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs last night crushed the Patriots. I don't remember what the score was, but Mahomes is just so much better. You're right. They know Cam Newton because of COVID. But here's the way to see. The NFL came out with a bunch of new protocols. They may force teams to forfeit an NFL game if they do not follow the COVID protocols. If anyone in the NFL pulls a Mike Clevenger, they could get fined, suspended. Their teams could be forced to forfeit. Here's a little nugget. Do you know what the forfeit score of an NFL game is? It's a safety, 2-0. That's the final score of a forfeited game. Could the NFL cause a team to forfeit under the new COVID protocols? No chance. That's not the way to see because that's obvious. There will be no forfeited game. The way to see is that while all these teams are getting COVID, there's going to be a smart team out there, maybe the Chiefs. The Chiefs are trying to repeat. It says here today, after four weeks, two months of the baseball season, it's like predicting something on May 31st. It's impossible. The Chiefs, if they remain COVID-free, if they remain COVID-free, they will not lose a game this year. The Kansas City Chiefs are so far superior to any team in the National Football League, it's not even close. That is a 16-0 and team if there ever was one. No COVID, 16-0. and Do you know what they are doing week after week with Patrick Mahomes? 
They are taking care of business. And they're looking at the other side and saying, you know what? You lose, but it was nothing personal.